1: to the fighter versus the writer. i am your host as always i am damon martin and today i am joined by one of the top welterweight fighters in the world and with a big welterweight title fight coming up this weekend at ufc 268 how could i not talk to this man the guy with the second best podcast out there after this one of course uh <laughs> top welterweight contender himself Bilal muhammad Bilal. welcome back how are you uh
0: good man i'm feeling good uh just got back from training excited for this weekend especially after the card we had last weekend uh i think that i don't know if this card could top it but it's, when you're looking at the fights i'm excited
1: yeah absolutely now before we get to the fight stuff you were actually in a in a different kind of fight this weekend you were at a wedding which i know can get kind of making there could be a fight sometimes you got to go to a wedding this weekend yeah
0: you know jared gordon uh like one of my best friends uh went to his wedding in florida and it, you know, they're Italian. So it was literally like 90% of the wedding was just eating and I did not <laughs> expect it. I'm sitting there you, having the appetizers. And I'm like, all right, well, no, this is pretty nice. And I'm like scarfing out all the food in there. And all of a sudden 10 minutes later, the waitress comes like, what do you want to your entree? I'm like, dude, I just literally ate like three things of lobster tails, poke bowls, fish. And then she's asking if I want steak, chicken, or Branzino. And I was like, all right, well, I'll take a steak. And then all of a sudden, like ten minutes later, after that, they're they're walking around with sliders and grilled cheese sandwiches, and I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm glad to get back to Chicago and at least get a jog in.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let me let me restart the intro here. I'm here with middleweight Bilal Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> I did so, get some training while I was out there. I got trained over there at
0: Stanford. Got I got to get some good guys training with Brendan Allen, middleweight. So yeah, it was good. Maybe maybe I'll make the move up.
1: Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, before we get to UFC 268, let me first ask how everything's with you. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the a lot of movement in the welterweight division right now. And I know, again, you're right in the thick of it coming up the Big win in your last fight. Uh, where are you at in terms of what you got going on?
0: Man, we've been literally trying to find a fight for the last uh, month. Uh, I'm, I think we're, we're close. I'm hoping we'll we're, we're get something news this week, uh, managers telling me about so uh excited and hope it uh falls through so we can get this going I, like i said i just want to keep moving up and just keep the division rolling uh my last fight really didn't get no injuries or anything like that so uh, i didn't want to stay active i'm one of those guys that wants to stay active i've had three fights this year one really didn't really count uh so if i get another one in before the end of the year it'd be perfect
1: yeah absolutely and i know uh there's still a couple more cars to go before the end of the year so it'd be awesome to get you in one more and then you know kind of start off 2022 in the right way right yeah,
0: exactly. My goal for the beginning of this year was to get in the rankings and to fight a ranked opponent and now I'm number nine in the world. So uh, my goals are working out the way I planned it. Now one more before the end of the year, I think uh, it'll be perfect. Then I'll be, I think well, after one more fight, then I'll be in that. All right, who's fighting next for the title? There's only three or four guys and I'll be my name will be in that list
1: yeah you've been you've been in the UFC for a while now man but I gotta say coming off your last fight you've looked better than you've ever been and I think that's kind of the momentum you start building right when you start getting into and that's when you want to have that I mean again beating guys like Damian Maya, then you look there's not that many guys in front of you uh you're you're you know building that momentum this is exactly where you want to be going into new year I imagine
0: yeah exactly This is like the perfect spot for me beating a guy like Maid who fought for the 85 title and the 70 title and uh you know, beating a guy like that, having that guy on my resume is a big thing because I've had that guy, you know, I've always watched him and to now it's finally where I fight a guy that I've, I've watched and I've respected for so long. And it's a different mindset when you fight a guy like that. So now it's like, all right, well, now I know I can beat these guys. I know I belong with these guys. I don't need a huge gym behind me or something like that where I don't come from a, a big background or Olympic wrestler or anything like that, and I show that I belong there with these top guys. And these guys are starting uh, starting to realize who I am and how good I am.
1: Absolutely. Before we get to this weekend's card, Bilal, let me ask you real quick. In your division, you just talked about the craziness of this last week's card. And again, I know you were dealing with the wedding and everything, but did you get a chance to see Hamza Chimaev? He came back, and now he's the guy who's going to be you know getting in that top fifteen. I-, I think that he had to earn it, and I think you know beating a guy like Li Jing Liang is a big deal. Great win for him. I think until that, maybe a you know a little bit quick to put him in that race just yet. But I want to get your opinion on Hamza coming off this weekend.
0: I was excited for it. Honestly, you know, it was one of those things where when he had that COVID stint, he was talking about retirement. I was like, Oh dang. Cause as being a competitor, being a fighter, you want to fight the top guys. You want to go against these guys that everybody thinks to the boogeyman and uh, how good they are. And he showed it. I mean, I mean, when I'm thinking about, it, I mean, Lee Jingling is really not the, the, the greatest grappler. And I knew that if comes, out was going to come out, he's going to, he could dominate him and pretty much grappling. And I mean, he did that to, to go through four fights. I don't care who you're fighting against and to only get once hit once. That's it. That's a, that's another level. Uh, but you know, it's not one of those things where I have fans now, like, Oh, who's all these guys are going to be afraid to fight him. And I'm like, not really. I mean, I get excited to fight a guy like that. I get excited to, to show that I belong in there with these top guys, the guys I would want to fight a guy like that. So I could be the one to stop that hype train uh, because then all of a sudden you'll steal all of his hype and it'll show that you're that guy now. now you're that guy that nobody really thinks of me when they're like, Oh, well, who's going to fight? Usman for the title. They're trying to give him the title shot next just because he's winning so dominantly. I mean, and I understand it. I understand the business. I understand momentum, but I think he needs to fight a guy with better grappling, somebody that could defend takedowns and stand up with them. And me, I, I just defended, uh, 21 of Damian Maya's 22 takedowns. And I'm a guy that can strike with you, too, and a guy that has gas tank for for ages. I know that Magny's trying to call him out, but, I mean, Magny's really gets beat up against guys that grapple him. He got out-grappled by Kiesa. He got out-grappled by Maya. Out-grappled by uh, RDA. So I don't think that would be a good matchup for him style-wise. For Kanza it would be just because he could showcase himself. But I think somebody like me or Gilbert Burns or even Luke has really good uh, takedown defense. Somebody like that I think would work out perfectly. And I really prove it right. all right. He needs a title shot next, right after that fight.
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, a guy like you, and again, I, I I think, you know, you getting guys like, you know, the Wonder Boys of the world, the guys who are kind of ranked above you, I think that's what you deserve. And I think Comzat's going to come in behind you in the rankings. Uh, but that being said, like I said, I think if you ever do get that fight, whether it's next or two fights down the road, it's got to be five rounds because your cardio, your gas tank is a huge weapon for you. And that's one thing we haven't seen him tested on yet. We've had we've had so many first round. I know he went in the second round his first fight, but that was at 185 but I want to see him get pushed. I want to see what this guy looks like in round four and five. And I think you'd be a guy that would push him there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, obviously he's looked so dominant we've only seen a small picture of him. And, uh, now he's adding the, the, the talking while fighting the Khabib style, uh, to it. So like, it's exciting for fans and, you know, fans that don't really understand MMA and just think that he's going to walk through everybody and kill everybody just because how easily he's winning. But, um, yeah, I, I think my style, stylistically, our, our styles match up very well. And to me, it's not like one of those things where I think I'm going to go in there and dominate them, but I think that I'll, I'll definitely give them a bigger fight than anybody's ever fought before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, below this weekend we got a a big welterweight fight. The welterweight titles on the line. We'll get back to that in a second. We got a great overall card at UFC two sixty eight. So let's kick things off as we break down this card. We'll go top to bottom on the main card. Of course, uh at the at the start of the card, the main card, legend, icon. I don't know how many words we can use to describe this guy. Frankie Edgar, one of the greatest fighters of all time, pound for pound, in my opinion, one of the greatest pound for pound fighters of all time. When you can win lightweight, featherweight, and banterweight doing all the things he's done. Taking on Chito Vera, who is an incredible striker, very diverse guy. Um, this is a really interesting fight. So kind of give me your thoughts on this one and, and, and who you're picking.
0: You know, Frank Jagger has literally been in there with the best of the best, fought the, the top guys in all the divisions, and he's looked great. Uh, I mean, I know he got caught a couple times in his last couple fights when you're going against a guy like Sanhagen. You get caught with flying we were, I think I saw somebody post about that where it's like anybody can get caught but if you get dominated for a three round decision, then I'd rather I fighters would rather get caught than uh get dominated for three rounds. And, you know, come him coming off a knockout, I just think that stylistically wise, it's a good fight for him to go against a guy like Cheeto Vera, uh, who who has been susceptible to takedowns and can get control on the ground when he does get taken down. We saw uh when he fought Jose Alba Jose Aldo took his back and held him down and controlled him the whole time. And you could tell he was getting a little bit frustrated uh during that time. So I think a guy like Frank Jagger, who really come out wrestling you, taking you down, uh, I think that he'll be a problem for Chito Vera. Chito Vera has that style where he can pop up that knee or elbow, or he's not going to be one of those just going to lay on his back. But I think that Frank Jagger will be able to control this and uh, control the distance, take him down, control the time, and win a decision here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Frankie, you know, I, I, I think where Frankie might struggle at Bantamweight, like anyone in Bantamweight, is when you get to that top three or four guys. There's no shame in losing to Corey Sanhagen. There would be no shame in losing to a guy like, let's say, a TJ Delachar one of the other top guys in the world. But I think Frankie is that guy. I think he is the top five or six in the world. He beat a Pedro Munoz, yeah. who is tough as they come, uh, and that was a freaking war. He got caught with Sanhagen. There's no shame in that. Look, I mean, Sanhagen yeah. again. He's a he's a you know, he's a monster. And I think his wrestling. If Frankie goes out there and wrestles and clinches, and we've seen Cheeto struggle a little bit in those situations, he saw you know we saw what Aldo did against him, you know, kind of pressuring him, not allowing Cheeto to fight his game. And and Frankie's that guy. He's going to be in your face from the first second to the last. And if he goes out there, especially if he wrestles him. I think Frankie wins this fight, and also let's be honest, man, this is a big opportunity for Frankie fighting in Madison Square Garden, close to home in Jersey, uh, and the guy's a legend. Like I said, I don't know if he'll—I don't know if he'll be bantamweight champion. I don't want to put that out there and say he'll never do it. I don't know if he will, just because time might be against him a little bit right now. But I think there's still going to be those six, seven, eight ranked guys who are just never going to get past him. Like I think that he's going to be kind of that roadblock to that top five. Yeah. I mean, as I've
0: seen Piri on this weekend, I'm like, I don't know who at Bantamweight could really beat him right now. So like, but for a guy like Frank Edgar, like you said, I think he's one of those guys that could, he's not at that that level where he just needs those uh, legendary fights where he needs to fight older guys, like a Diego Sanchez or something like that, that like those guys, he still could compete with these top 10, 15 guys. And I think he'll do well with a lot of these guys, but it's just, like you said, that, that upper echelon, that top five, those going to be very hard for him and, yeah, I don't want to see him take that type of damage against those type of guys. You don't need that right now. He already established his name. He's been a champion before. He's a legend.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, interesting, another fight that got on the main card here, which I think surprised a lot of people, but I think it actually will be a really fun fight, is the matchup between Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo. Uh, two really fun guys. Now, Shane... We got to be honest, he's coming off a couple of wars. I mean, you know, losing to Josh Emmett, there's no shame in that. But then, the, you know, the fight with Edson Barbosa, my God, like those are the fights that take years off your career. Uh, <laughs> and, and Billy Q, you know, Billy Q had the loss, you know, to Gavin Tucker, comes back, gets a big win, big knockout in his last fight. This is a really interesting matchup because Burgos, like, I, I thought Burgos has that top 15 potential, but I also – I can't help but wonder, man, when you take that kind of a damage in a fight, like I think – like I look at – like a Carlos Condit legend, one of the greatest of all time. I think he, I don't think he was ever the same after the Robbie Lawler fight. Like, I think that just took a piece of his soul. Like, I think that fight was such a war. I just don't think he ever came back quite the same. And I wonder two fights in a row with Burgos, you know, and we're talking back-to-back battles with, with Emmett and 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 uh, Barbosa. I got a question like, man, like how much more of that can you take? Even he's a young guy, but how much more of that can you take?
0: yeah exactly and he's one of those guys too that drops his hands a lot not afraid to take a hit to get a hit uh his style is very exciting like you said because he, he's always in these wars he's not a, he's not afraid to stand in the pocket with you uh with his hands down but when you're going against the guys like barbosa and Emmett that are you know th- they got power power and those type of powers you know every single fight you're getting hit you're just taking you know it's power out of your energy tools and like your chin's not going to be there the same as it was the last fight, especially at that last fight, that, that knocker was so crazy where he got hit with uh by Barbosa. And then he just like paused and all of a sudden he fell down. Uh, that was one of those crazy knockers. I mean, and I, I don't know, he seems like one of those guys that spars hard and has those crazy sparring sessions at, at the gym. He just doesn't seem like that guy that's going to be soft. He's not going to be one of those guys that touch bars at the gym. Cause the way he fights, you can tell uh, that's how he pr- trains too. Quarantella, he looked good his last fight. Uh, he's, he's, he's another guy that's not afraid of being in a war. He, he makes guys a lot of gas out. And he looked very strong his last fight. He looked like he put a lot of muscle on his last fight. And being in, uh, I think, this, both of their hometowns, New York, uh, I think it's going to be exciting for both of these guys. Quarantella, I know, I know it's a big step up, fighting a guy like Shane Burgos. Uh, but I think he could do it. I was excited about him his last fight. I think he's getting better every single fight. And I think I'm going to give this one to uh, Billy here.
1: You know, and I, I'm kind of torn on this one because I'm I'm worried about, you know, when, when a guy gets cracked the way he did, like, he, it was like he got hit the off button. And like, you know, he got, he got the pause button and the off button in that Barbosa fight. And there's no shame in losing to Barbosa, Josh Emmett, they're both great fighters, top 10 featherweights in the world. But you just wonder, like, at what point, like, I remember there was a point, like, I think it was after Roy Nelson. I want to say it was he got knocked out by Mark Hunt. Like, he just didn't quite have the same chin. At some point, the, the chin gets cracked. Uh, And I wonder, but that being said, I still think Burgos has that top 15 ability, and I I know Billy Q has that same kind of ability, but I'm leaning Shane Burgos in this one. I'm going to have faith that he bounces back from that last loss. And kind of proves that he's still like a top fifteen guy. He may not be ready for that top ten yet, but I'm gonna go Burgos. But I gotta be honest, I'm I'm very much hedging my bets here below because I just <laughs> don't know, man. When you get like I said, that always worries me. When a guy goes through a couple wars like that, like I always say this, and I mean it. When you say a guy has a great chin, I know people in MMA think that's a compliment, and it is to a certain extent. But then that also means you've had to get hit a bunch of times to prove you got a big, a great chin. And I, I kind of, I kind of believe in the in the mantra, "Don't get hit." You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to have that.
0: Oh man, this guy has so much heart or this guy <laughs> will, will sit there and watch, walk, walk through fire. It's like, Oh, well he had to walk through fire. And he had to show us that he'll get hit and stuff like that. Obviously he's tough. Obviously all fighters are tough, but like I even tell guys that are coming up now where they're sparring hard at practice. I'm like, you don't need to do that because you're taking years off your career to getting hit like that. And then being in wars and like Demetrius Johnson always used to say that, like just fight smarter. Like if you could do, if you could add grappling it so you could add a takedown to it, Why would you want to get hit? Like I fight smart. I know I can sit there and strike with the best of the best, but if I can take them down and wrestle with them and grapple with them, why wouldn't I want to do that? And I think Billy Billy Q is going to be the one that's going to mix it up a little bit more. He has high volume. So that's how I like Billy Q here.
1: Yeah, I like it. Now we talked about walking through the fire. Uh, The next fight is literally a fire fight. Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. uh, I don't want to jinx anything, although I'm kind of jinxing it by saying this. If there was one fight on this planet that I said there's no way it's going to suck whether it's four, whether it's 12 seconds or, or 12 minutes, there's no way this, I just can't believe this fight's not going to be amazing for as long as it lasts. Now, I have a hard time believing it makes it to a decision. Although now that I've said that, I probably jinxed it and it's going to be a three round yeah. fight, but uh, man, like this is, this is such a good, like this has got to be like the fan favorite fight of the card. Yeah.
0: This is, this is going to be the fan main event. I feel like not only the main that's amazing, but everybody's tuning in for this, right? There's like, this is a violence main event and it's, Man, I'm just so excited to see it because uh, both their styles match up. I think really well, I, I think that um, Gaethje probably has the the upper hand on maybe the power a little bit, but I think Chandler has the upper hand on the wrestling. And I think Chandler uses wrestling more than Gaethje uses wrestling. And I know everybody's always said "Oh, Gaethje's wrestling is really good. And uh, you know, he's, he went toe to toe with Jordan Burroughs and this and that, but we saw the last fight against uh, uh, Habib when Habib took him down. I know Habib's the GOAT, but you uh, still got really controlled pretty easily. And he didn't have anything on the ground once he got taken down. Uh, you know, he's really the guy when we see him, not a lot of guys attempted to take him down, but when he did, it would be like a scramble. So when you're going against a guy like Chandler, who does have that takedown ability, and he has said that, he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand in there, I'm going to bang, I'm going to walk through violence, this, this, and this. I think it's going to end up being he's going to go into resting a little bit because you, you got to be smart. Uh, fighting a guy like Gaethje, we've seen him get a little bit tired, uh, later in fights. I know he still had late round knockouts, but he does get a little bit tired. His hand dropped a little bit. Uh, and we saw before that could fight. He had a lot of first round knockouts. So maybe, uh, if Chandler goes out there, drags him to deep waters. Maybe Chandler can win. But for me, my, my pick is going to be Gaethje finishing this fight. Uh, we saw Chandler get clipped with, uh, Oliveira and, uh, not trying to say that it's chance suspect or anything like that, but uh, I think that Gates hits harder than Oliveira.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the problem that the Chandler has a little bit, in my opinion, is that he does like to kind of stand in the pocket and wing punches. And, and you know, there's a lot of guys who can't do that with a guy like Chandler because he does have that one punch knockout power, but, Gechi is the last guy on the planet you want to play that game with. Like that is a guy who is he's just a human damage machine. Like that's what he does. Like when I, I remember talking to Dustin Poirier after he fought him, he's like I feel like I went through a car crash. Like <laughs> I just he just my entire body hurt. Like my legs hurt, my butt, everything hurts. And like you don't even even Khabib talked about. It. Like it didn't seem like gaichi really did much damage to Khabib, but even Khabib said You know, I've never been hit harder. Like, he's just—that's just what Gaethje does, and I feel like—I agree. If Chandler actually mixes things up and throws in a takedown to maybe throw Gaethje off his game a little bit, I think that's his path to victory. But if he just goes out there and starts trading punches— and kicks with Justin Gaethje, I think that's a losing proposition for you know 98% of the fighters who aren't Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is kind of the one guy who was able to like stand and trade with Gaethje and got the better of him. Uh, but you just don't. That's just not a winning game plan against a guy like Justin Gaethje. So uh, I agree. I'm gonna pick Gaethje. Uh, it kind of breaks my heart because you know Chandler. Chandler has a way to win this fight. I truly believe. Chandler has a way to win this fight he just can't go out there and stand in front of Justin Gaethje and I have a bad feeling that knowing the anticipation for this fight knowing how much people want to see this one I feel like Chandler wants to give a little bit of a show and I think that's going to backfire on him
0: yeah like man if you're thinking about it like the way Chandler's UFC career went you know he went out there quick knockout against Hooker then that first round against Barbosa like oh this guy's about to be champion for sure and then all of a sudden he gets knocked out in the second round. And then now you have to go against uh, Justin Gaethje. And like you said, I don't know if it's going to be one of those where, you know, once you get to the UFC, you want you want all that hype. You want the fans to, to love you and uh, always want to watch you fight. You're talking about this is a violence game and this is the violence, uh, main event, and uh, me and Gaethje are going to go through fire with each other. Like you don't want all that hype to get to your head and make it a, a, a war when there's a path to victory, there's a there's way easier path to victory than having to freaking go through hundred Gagey leg kicks, hundred Gagey uppercuts, hundred gagey hooks. And you just have to withstand all of that. When you can sit there, shoot on him, take him down a little bit, let him get a little bit more tired. Next time faint a shot, go for a big overhand right, catch him. Hopefully he goes down. But uh yeah, I don't know. I think that we saw Hooker when Hooker uh, fought Chandler, he went out there with that 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 low kick uh game plan and he tried to go with that low calf kick against him, but Hooker was doing that as he was backing away. When Gage goes for low kicks, he's doing it right in front of you, right in your face, and he's having you back up the whole time. That's why I think it's going to be the problem for Chandler.
1: Yeah, and I was just talking about the detriment of having a great chin, and here I am about to pay a compliment to a guy with a great chin. But Gagey's <laughs> a guy, you know, he's a guy you gotta, you got to out-volume him. you got to just basically beat him, beat him, beat him, and chip it away, and then you can put away like what, what Poirier did. I mean, Poirier had to chip away at him for whatever three rounds – to finally put him away. And I think that's the way you got to approach a, a, a Gaethje fight. If you're going to fight him on the feet, you cannot just go there and swing punch for punch with him and expect to survive. I just don't, I just don't think that's a winning strategy. And because Gaethje is so good with those leg kicks he, he's and he's so durable that, you know, you can't guarantee you're going to hit him with one shot and he's going to go out. And I think, I think Chandler can Chandler has one punch yeah. knockout power uh, and maybe he'll surprise. He could land right on the button and Gaethje goes face first and that's it. But, Again, both guys have that same kind of power. I'm just betting on the guy who is known for that, known for the, known for the ability to just like if you stand in the pocket and trade shots with him. Again, chances are you're going to be the guy going down. Uh, and I just think that as good as Chandler is, I don't think he quite has like a Poirier style of boxing. I don't think he has that kind of fast hands because Poirier is an incredible boxer. Uh, I just don't think he has that kind of, that kind of ability to just stand there and trade with Gaethje. Uh, but I agree with you. If he wrestles him, if he goes out there and throws in a, a takedown, makes Gaethje guess a little bit, makes him work for, you know, get back up on his feet, things like that. Like, I think it's a winnable fight for him, but I just have a bad feeling. He's not gonna, he's not gonna go out there and try to make this a grappling match. Yeah. So now in the co-main event, this is an interesting one because we got the strawweight title going back on the line between Rose Nami Yunus and Zhang Wei Li. Now, the last time these two met, Rose dispatched Zhang inside of two minutes. Head kick, knockout, over. Uh, Zhang has since changed up her training camp She's out in Arizona training with Triple C Himself, Henry Cejudo And his camp, she's made some changes Of course, Rose, still out there in Colorado Working with the uh, the mad scientist himself Trevor Whitman Uh, This is an interesting one, Bilal, because while it is a rematch It's a weird rematch Because we didn't really see much in the first fight
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those weird fights where you're like Rose knocked her out And finished her pretty easily And it wasn't like it was like a fluke knockout it was like she set it up uh so i i didn't understand really the rematch uh but i mean i'm excited to see it obviously uh anytime either of these women fight it's exciting uh way lee's one of those i don't know i think that coming off that loss i think maybe she needed a little bit more time or a different fight first uh because she switched camps a little bit and i feel like she she did a lot of blaming that fight where it was this or uh, she got lucky or this and that it wasn't like i made a mistake myself i, I didn't read the the high kick and i got caught with it you know anybody could get caught but i feel like hers was just blaming and when you're when you're a champion and you're blaming your your loss on somebody else as we saw like with Deontay wilder where he blamed on his coaches while you throw the towel in and then it happened the, the the third fight same thing happened uh just cuz fury is way better uh, i think that's going to be the same kind of, uh, fight we're going to see with, uh, Rose here. I think Rose is just better. She's just so much smoother on her feet. She's got a really good jab, really good striking. She knows how to pick her shots the right way. Uh, way Lee is one of those. She's, she's tough. She knows how to brawl. Uh, but I think that she's taking this too personally. I think she's taking it as that was all luck. She's going to come out there too hard. I think it's going to leave her open for more shots from, uh, Rose. And I know your training was Henry Trudeau. He's a champion, but I don't think they had enough time together yet. That's why I feel like if they would have did a, a camp together, for a, a smaller fight uh, that wasn't a title fight and we saw how she did with him. Then now it's just putting too much pressure on Henry. Now she's fighting for a rematch for the title and you know, Henry has to do his little coaching thing now. So it's putting pressure on him and more pressure on her. Cause you, you're, you blame on your other coaches and you change camps, you switch to this guy. So you're thinking that this guy's going to be your answer when you really haven't worked with him yet. And you don't know how he's going to be fight day. You don't know how he's going to be fight week, uh, working with a new team, new guys.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, what I like to call the overreaction to a loss. You know, she had a bad loss and she's kind of overreacted and like, I got to change camps. I got to do this. I got to do that. And at the end of the day, she got, I mean, you know, Rose talked about it. She saw, you know, Whaley's tendencies and she set up the head kick and she hit her with it. I mean, there was no accident there. It wasn't like they got into a big exchange. She got caught. She was very, very tactical with the way she talked about setting up that head kick. And I think Rose... Man, I don't think she gets enough credit for how freaking good she is. I mean, when you think about her record, when you think about what she did—two wins over Joanna, which is no joke. She was she was beating Andras, I and mean, she got dropped on her head. I mean, there's no you know that was a freak occurrence, and I'm not trying to take away Andras' win, but that was a freak occurrence. She was winning that fight. The rematch was a war. Don't get me wrong, but Rose still won the fight, uh, and then to go out there and head kick Zhang, i, I just—I don't know. Like, I don't know if anyone at at, at Strawweight's going to beat her. You know, right now, I would have said you know, two years ago, I said Tatiana Suarez was a person that, you know, I would say was a future champion. Unfortunately she's had all the injuries and everything, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think Rose is just going to be stylistically a bad matchup. She's not going to go in there and just start trading punches with her the way that Joanna did. And, 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 you know, Zhang can kind of depend on her, her power just to kind of get her through those situations like she did against Joanna. Um, and I just think Rose is Rose is a, is a technician, man. She's really good on the ground. She's really technical in her stand up. And I, I don't think she's just going to stand out there and, and stand and just trade and bang with 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 it, with Waylee. So I like Rose to win this fight. I got to be honest. I think she gets a finish here. I think she can finish her again. I don't think it'll be a minute and whatever it was the last time with the head kick. But I think she can finish her again. Uh, I just think stylistically, this is just a bad matchup for for Waylee. And I don't know. And I agree with you you know, the overreaction stuff kind of wonder, I wonder like, man, you changed camps, you moved, you're, you know, you're, yeah, you're kind know. of playing the blame game. Like I, all the wrong things she's done. Like in terms of like anticipation, she's done all the wrong things to make me think she can win this fight.
0: Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're really you're, you had a whole country behind you and everybody was looking at you like a champion. You're the best of the best. And you go out there and get knocked out. I understand that. Like you want to go back to that. You want to show your people that you belong there. But, uh, it's just a, I think stylistic a bad matchup. And you know, you get also, you got Trevor women who's been the mastermind and you've seen what he's done to guys careers. Like Usman went from just being a wrestler to now he's a striker knocking out guys. And I think that's just working with a guy like Trevor women, who's just doing these little small things, working on small details with them. And he, I think Trevor finds uh, tendencies from their opponents and he, he exploits their weaknesses and gets these guys out. That's why even with the, uh, with this fight, I think it's going to be another knockout, like you said, a finish. And I think it's going to be one of those where Rose outclassed there, too.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about the main event, the one that you, of course, have a vested interest in. Because eventually you want to get to one of these guys who's going to be the champion. And that is right now Kamaru Usman against Colby Covington. They fought two years ago. <laughs> On that night, Kamaru knocked him out in the fifth round, broke his jaw. Uh, it was a great, crazy, fun fight up to that point. You know, Colby had some moments. Camaro had a lot of moments. I think Camaro obviously had the better power shots, a couple different knockdowns before getting the uh, the knockout in the fifth round. Since that time, Colby's only fought once. He had the win over Tyron Woodley. No shame there. Great win. But again, I don't know. Is Tyron the same Tyron he was three years ago? We can ask about that. And then Camaro, of course, has gone on an incredible run beating Gilbert Burns, beating Jorge Masvidal twice and knocking him out viciously earlier this year. But, um, below I got to be honest, man. Like, I'm excited for this fight because the first one was great. It was a great fight. But, and I've said that I said this to Gilbert Burns. I, I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and I said this to Vicente Luca, another guy in your division. I talked to him a few weeks ago, and I said, nothing that I've seen since the first fight has made me believe Anything other than Usman has just gotten that much better, and I don't know that Colby has changed his game enough to where he's figured out a way to beat Kamar Usman.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think honestly, I feel like this is going to be even this is going to be a quicker finish for Usman. We've seen his last couple fights how his striking looked, and you're going to get he's going against really good strikers, and we saw him in bad spots against Gilbert Burns. And to, to show championship mentality, stay tough, and then finish him in the, the, the next round with a jab. Then he comes out the, the following fight against uh, Masvidal, finish him with a big overhand right. And Masvidal has never been, I don't think he's ever been knocked out like that before. And striking-wise, you expect Masvidal to stand there with the, the best of the best in the division. You know, we've seen guys like Wonderboy not be able to finish Masvidal on the feet. And to get finished by a guy like Usman, it just shows how much better Usman's getting And he has that championship mentality where he's trying to get better every single fight and he stays in the gym. I know Kobe's played the whole, uh, I I deserve the title shot after beating Woodley. I know that the UFC tried to make this fight because the first fight was so good, but I just think that was a whole different Usman. I think Usman in that fight, his standup was way more sloppier. Uh, We've seen him, I think in that first fight, he was switching to southpaw a lot and he was getting hit with the overhand right. Uh, a lot in that fight. I was like, why is he switching to Southpaw? So it was like kind of like one of those things where he's playing with Southpaw and he was getting hit a lot with this. So his defense wasn't there. But now when he goes to Southpaw, you can sell his defense there. He's a lot more comfortable with it just because he's had that cage time trying to uh, play with those different tools. And man, I just think he's going to be able to dominate him. The only pass for victory I think for Kobe is coming out wrestling. You know, you know, you have that gas tank that you say is the, the best of the best uh in the division and there's not a lot of guys that keep up with you, you didn't shoot one time in that first fight. You have to shoot this fight. I don't I know you're gonna have scrambles. Uh he's probably not gonna be able to take him down, but you just have to attempt it. You have to show him something different. Cause if you go out there this fight and try to go stand uh punch for punch, kick for kick for him, I think Usman's gonna knock him out. But if he goes out there, make it a couple scrambles, maybe you catch him one time, take him down. Uh and if you're a guy like Usman who has never been taken down before and you have a guy like Kobe on top of you, it's going to mess up your mentality. We saw it kind of like with John Jones, when he took down Cormier and then, and then their first fight and Cormier that last round just wanted to take him down just to say that he got a takedown against John Jones when it really didn't make no sense. So I think it comes down to Kobe coming out. He has high volume, but he needs to add in takedowns. Uh, he needs to attempt them, go for them, pull guard, uh, just scramble with them a little bit. Usman's not really good at holding guys down, Guys are usually good at getting right back up when they when they when uh, when he gets taken out from him. So if Colby does end up getting stuck underneath him, I think he'll be able to get back up to his feet, but he's going to have to make it a dollar fight like that. He can't sit there and do the same thing in the first fight, stand up with him, because I think he'll get knocked out a lot quicker.
1: Yeah, and I don't think, here's the thing, I think Colby, you know, Colby's a tremendous wrestler. There's no doubt about that. He was an All-American in college and all those kind of things. He's really good in the clinch. We saw what he did against Woodley, against the cage, but honestly, and I'm just being, you know, again, just looking at the matchup, I think Usman's the better wrestler. Uh, I think he is stronger in the clinch. I mean, when when Usman, I mean, again, I think people forget because he's had a couple of knockouts in a row, but, like, that was kind of his game. He would put you against the cage and kind of maul you, you know, like what he did to Woodley. You know, he'll put you there, put you down, and, and, and beat you from there. And his wrestling is still tremendous. And I don't think Kamaru's forgotten that. I don't think he's forgotten his wrestling. He's just kind of added to his... To his recipes lately, he's just added to his arsenal with the striking, with working with Trevor Whitman. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I just Kobe on the feet is a volume guy. I don't think he can use that game plan against a guy like Usman. I don't think he can out wrestle Kamara. I don't think that's a game plan. I mean, I think showing him that early at least gives him a little bit of a, a potential advantage if he can actually get Camaro down. I just don't know that he can. I mean, I just yeah. I don't know that he has that game about him. And and I and I I, he, I don't think and again I know this is MMA anything can happen so anybody can get knocked out but you know Colby has never shown one punch knockout power ever, uh he's a yeah. volume guy and I don't think he can out volume kamaro over five rounds I just don't and kamaro's never shown like he's got terrible cardio it's not like kamaro's a guy who's like faded late in fights or anything um I've said it all along and I believe it I think this fight goes similar to the last one except that I think it's more one-sided I I think Usman will will more dominate this fight and I think third round knockout fourth round knockout I don't know that it makes a fifth round I I think he puts him away and kind of puts Colby behind him once and for all yeah I think I'm gonna go with second
0: round knockout honestly I think that's gonna be it's gonna be a walking apart for Usman I feel like uh I mean I, I gave you what I thought Colby should do but like I said I think that's still not gonna affect Usman in any way I think Usman's it's going to be an easy win for him. We saw what he did in his rematch against Maz, but uh, how much better he got in that fight. I think he's just going to be even better in this fight. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think that Ushman's and still.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know what? I know this was the thing when Anderson Silva was champion of middleweight. Uh, you know, when I talked to guys at middleweight at that time, they're always like, you know, in a weird way you kind of root for that because when you get to your own title shot, you want to fight the best guy in the world. You want to fight the guy... Who was the boogeyman, as you mentioned? You know, kind of the guy who can't be beaten. And I'm sure there's p- at least a small part of you, blow out when you say, when I get my title shot, I want to be the guy to fight a guy like Kamara Usman. I want to be the guy who's on a five, six, you know, s- seven title defense streak, whatever it is. Uh, when you get to him, because that makes it that much bigger. Look at how much you know Weidman got, you know, beating Anderson. How big that was for his career, because he was the guy who beat the goat. I'm sure there's a small part of you. Th- I'm sure a title shot, it wouldn't matter to you who it comes against, but I'm sure there's a small part of you that says, I want to be the guy. To be Kamaru Usman, I want to be the guy to beat. You know, the greatest welterweight, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. I, like
0: I sit there and I, I, I go on when I do cardio. I watch Usman's fights because I want to. Still, I'm always measuring. I'm always analyzing what I could do here, what I could do there, what I could do with this. So, like, I'm I, that's the guy I'm always going to be watching, no matter what. And that's the guy that I, I want to fight. I don't want. I, I don't want one of these other guys that, that, to take that from him. I don't want one of those guys to take the belt from him, and then me have to fight those guys. Obviously, I would. But I'd rather fight Usman. I want him to be the champion. I want him to be on a 20-fight winning streak when I get to him. Uh, So when I do take that from him, I know that I had to walk through fire to get there, and I earned that victory against a guy that they thought could be the goat, the best welterweight of all time. When he's in discussion with a guy like GSP, uh, I would want to measure myself up against a guy like that. When you get into the sport, it's to be the best in the world, and I want to fight the best guys in the world. And I've always thought I could compete with these guys. Uh, no matter what my styles compete with any of these guys in the division and especially with the champion I feel like matchup wise I feel like I would match up well with him and I'm just hoping that he's still there when I'm up there and he doesn't go up to uh, middleweight or he doesn't just pull a, a Khabib and retire early or anything like that
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, Bilal, of course, your your podcast, I mentioned one of the best in the world. I always love your podcast. Remember the show. <laughs> uh, you have such a fun format with your podcast, which I love. It's something totally different, which I, I love and enjoy. Uh, and also, of course, uh, beyond your own fight career, you started doing the analyst thing uh, with ESPN, which, again, I know I've told you this, you know, off off air, whatever you want to call it, but fantastic job, man. You've become a phenomenal analyst, and I hope you're going to get more of those gigs because I think you've done a, a tremendous job, and I know you talked about maybe getting in one more fight fight this year but i'm hoping you're going to be back behind the desk before uh before too much longer too
0: i uh, appreciate that bro that means a lot yeah i'm actually going to be down there next week uh in vegas working on there behind the desk yeah i love that stuff i love watching fights and just staying involved like i said when i even when i'm not fighting just to still be able to, to work and talk about fights when i'm bored when i'm in between practices i'm always watching fights no matter what so now that my coach always told me like dude you know all these guys that nobody knows about and you don't even know i don't even know this guy's name but you know who he is who he fought and some at some point, that, that useless information is going to mean something. And now it's finally paying <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it goes to the show with your nickname. You always remember the name, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, Bilal, thank you again for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the fights this week. And thank you so much for doing the show with me today. And I uh, look forward to hearing about your next fight. look forward to seeing you back in action. And uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon, as always. Sure, bro. Thank you, man. All right. Talk to you soon. How a good bro. Bye-bye. There he is, Bilal Muhammad, one of the top welterweights in the world, getting ready to watch another great welterweight, actually two great welterweights, of course, with Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington this weekend. I uh, want to say a big thank you, as always, for everyone tuning into to The Fighter vs. The Rider. We appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon, and, of course, over on MMA Fighting. We'll see you next week with another edition of The Fighter vs. The Rider. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you then.
0: You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
1: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.